Welcome to the Underline Podcast. Underline seeks to embolden and equip those who have been called to a life of service. We strive to create a community where iron can sharpen iron, and believers will boldly live out their faith as lions. All right, thanks everybody for joining us at the Enter Line podcast, Billy and Josh. And uh, today we get to talk to you, Mikey Winkleman. And Mikey, it's been an awesome time just getting to know you and, and meet you in person. Uh, I'd like to give you a little bit of time. One, say thanks for, for joining us here on the podcast and give uh, you a couple minutes just to talk about who you are and how you came to Enter Line. Yeah, thanks, Billy. I appreciate it. Yeah, my name is Mikey. I'm originally from San Diego, California. I was a Navy brat. And then uh, I enlisted. I'll against you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I was the black sheep. So when I was uh, enlisted when I was 20 in the United States Army, ended up going airborne. I was an indirect fire infantryman, served a couple of deployments in Iraq in the Army. It was there when I was 21, uh, when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and started following him and then uh, met my wife, Crystal. She's actually I met her first and then it was kind of Lord used her to lead me to him, but that's a whole other story. So I did that. My plan was to become a teacher when I got out, but then the Lord spoke to me while I was in and said, nah, man, you're going to be a police officer. So I was like, all right, this is the way. So plan that out. Yep. My wife and I got married. She's from Pennsylvania. I fell in love with the area. So I became a police officer uh, in 2013. I've been living up here in South Central Pennsylvania been a municipal cop for the last seven and a half years. Throughout that time, we become a firearms instructor, a member of a regional SWAT team, and I'm a patrol supervisor at FTO. So just kind of been rocking and rolling with that and yeah. following the Lord, man. That's awesome. We're, I'm going to talk about your book here in a little bit, give you a chance to discuss it, discuss it. And I'd like to talk to you about it just so our listeners can get exposed to it as well. It kind of seems just you know, in the, in the brief period of time I've known you, Mikey, it seems like you definitely led a particular kind of lifestyle, right? Like you enlisted in the army. Uh, now you're a police officer. You thought you're going to be a, a teacher. God said, no. Would you say like, since a young age, you've kind of been drawn to like a warrior lifestyle or is that something that you've kind of noticed or something you just kind of fell into? Did you just not want to go to college or something like that? Like what, what was, what was it that led you <laughs> down that path? Yeah, it's it's crazy to look back at it with hindsight because there was this um, this burning in my heart even as a child. I don't know. I mean, you know, most boys you play, you know, with guns and you run around play GI Joe, and and I was like one of those boys. But then um, there was something deeper, and you know, I I mean, looking back at it now, I know that, you know, the Lord is sovereign and he has a plan for all of us. And whether I knew it then or not, it was part of his plan. You know, whether it was the background, my parents were in the Navy. I grew up around, you know, the military, understanding what that meant uh, to be a protector. And uh, there was something deep inside of me that that called me to it. Didn't know what it was then. So I knew I knew I wanted to be in the military. It was never going to be a career thing for me. I wanted to serve. I was 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school when 9-11 happened. And I knew I had an idea I was going to join before that, but that kind of sealed the deal for me. You know, it was going to be a commitment, not a lifelong one, but it was going to be a commitment. But then 
once uh, I found the Lord and he kind of reshaped, you know, my life, my identity, brought it into sharper focus, maybe understand that it was him the whole time that was right to this. That's what set me on that path to be a police officer and to really make it a lifestyle understanding that this is more than just a profession or even a, a personal calling, but it's a, it's the eternal calling to love my neighbor in a powerful way by making it a profession. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, that's a huge piece to it, right? Cause there are a lot of people who I think from, like you said, from a young age, just like, you know, myself, I never want to do anything else besides, you know, be in the military and serve my country, but it definitely changes. And I think the key thing you just touched on, Josh, you and I have talked about it a lot before, but the identity piece, right? So it's like, it's one mm-hmm. thing to be a warrior uh, out for your own glory or for your own, maybe not your own glory, but for your own reasons. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's cool to see how God changes that where it's, yeah, you're still called to be a warrior. You're still called to be a protector. But now what does that actually look like? And what is, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis when you're living that out? Yeah. Uh, Josh, I, I know you, I don't remember it. I don't think, did you always want to be in law enforcement, Josh? No, no, I was, uh, this is not about me, but I was kind of the opposite of Mike. He was, I, I would yeah. thought I would go into business or something creative. And just because I, growing up, I was not the kind of person that you would probably pay to be a police officer and, and the Lord kind of did a work in my life and called me into law enforcement to teach me a lot about what it means to rely on him and what it means to, to, to not be afraid and to have faith. And so I, I would probably come from an opposite background of Mikey, but yeah, just with, but the same calling now of just having that desire to protect people and, and want to hold that office of, you know, being able to truly love your neighbor in a unique way. And sometimes loving somebody to love somebody, you need to be able to protect them as well. Right. You know, that's kind of the call that the Lord's put on my heart as well. Yeah, so would you say, Mikey, that's the biggest change uh, since obviously like you dedicated your life to the Lord when you were in the military, would you say that's the biggest change to your lifestyle and like how you see you can kind of live out God's love uh, and calling to your new life? You know, when I came to know the Lord or, you know, when he found me, you know, I was sitting in a barracks room by myself, seeking him out, reading, really reading the Bible for the first time in my life. And I was in the Sermon of the Mount. And that was kind of like my conversion moment. I met the Lord in a very tangible, powerful way and realized this, this guy, Jesus, is who he says he is and uh, started following from there. But then as I was reading, right, here I am, barrel chested, you know, hard running, you know, paratrooper, infantryman, like bread to kill. Right. And then I'm reading Jesus say, love your enemies as yourself. And I had this moral dilemma, like, who am I supposed to be? You know, is this, am I supposed to be an absolute pacifist Lord? And is this who I'm, you know, supposed to be? Do I do I need to back off of this? Through seeking him out, he really refined what that meant. You know, what he taught me, just to make it con- uh, concise, is you know, it is it is his love that truly drives the warrior. You know, that's what makes a true warrior is a heart of love. It's it's compassion. You know, we look at the Lord. You know, in Exodus it says the Lord is a warrior, and then in John it says God is love and. Mm-hmm. This this is this is the nature of God and this this is the nature of his followers, his children. I think all of us are called to be warriors in, in some capacity, to be protectors. It's it's the call to, you know, Jesus, you know, essentially says, Love me and then love your neighbor. And that that is the call to love our neighbor. So that's really as far as the lifestyle of of being a protector, a guardian of my neighbor, he really 
refine that for me according to to the Bible, according to biblical truth and what that what that all entails. Yeah, it's so powerful because we were talking about that with you and when we met you in DC a couple of weeks ago. And then with everything that's happened in Philadelphia, we we made a social media post, so some people may have seen it, but there's this image that was going around social media of a Philadelphia police officer who was white holding a young African-American boy in her arms and he didn't have shoes. And the background that I heard from the story is that she, you know, he was found running around the streets in the midst of the chaos and she picked him up and was taking care of him. And it was just like, man, like what a powerful picture of what it means to be a police officer is that on one end, her brothers and sisters are, you know, literally bearing the sword and trying to, you know, protect people from violence. And on the other hand, here she is, you know, caring for this young boy and just that powerful image of, of what it means to just have love in our hearts. And it was, it was convicting to me because it made me think about when you were talking about how love needs to drive us as warriors, how there's been times in my career where anger has driven me to go get the bad guy and anger has driven me as I've been handcuffing somebody, whereas it really needs to be love. Because if I'm doing it out of anger and out of vengeance, then that's sinful. And that's such a fine line that we can walk. And so, definitely, yeah, yeah so I, I love where your stance is, man. Yeah, it's a truly hard line to walk and you can only truly walk it in the grace of God. You know, he's just, he's got to be the Lord of your heart. You got to be led in the spirit because the flesh is going to take hold of those moments. You know, it's going to convince you, yeah, you know, get the bad guy. This is, you know, vengeance, you know, the guy that just cold clocks your partner, you know, and and you double leg him to the ground and now you have the opportunity to cuff him. You're like, yeah, maybe I'll sneak one in out of vengeance. And it's like, this is, you know, God says, love your enemies, you know? So it's like, literally this guy, you should, you handcuff, you got to be able to sit there and look at it and say, do you need a cup of water? Are you okay? Do you need medical yep. attention? Like yeah. all those principles are, are based off our, our call to love, you know? Amen. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, cause it almost, cause it's such a difficult job, right? And I'm, I've never been in law enforcement for sure, but between both law enforcement and military, it's an extremely difficult job because you have by right in, in a, a government or some type of entity has great, Granted, you and said like, "Hey, you can use this force to, you know, secure this objective or to do this thing, right?" And it's like, man, imagine if you didn't have God or you know the ability to rely on Him in those situations. How quickly we'd probably give it into our flesh and want to give into that vengeance all more. So it's like, it seems almost like, yeah, you need something greater than yourself, right? And that is God, right? Like He needs to be the one that drives you in those things because it's such an easy just like you said, Josh, it's such a fine line. It's so easy to go to one way when it's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be the one that's walking that straight path at all times. So that's, that's a great point. Mikey, I think, I know we said we we're going to talk about it. I was trying to put hold off for a little bit longer, but I would like to talk about your book mostly because it, I've really thoroughly enjoyed it myself. And it's interesting because I was reading it the other day, just kind of perusing the, the preface, uh, preface and all that again. And you mentioned in there, you said that you initially won I don't think a lot of people, at least myself included, and I don't, Josh, I don't think you've written a book, but no. I don't know what goes into writing books. I don't know what makes people want to do it, but you said yours, you start out as a letter to a friend. Mm -hmm. So what changed? Like what made you think like, you know what, this, I want to go forward and, and publish this book. I mean, just to, to put it in context, I've always enjoyed writing. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, looking in hindsight is that another thing you know, that the Lord just puts in your heart, a gift. I've always enjoyed it, storytelling. And then when I was walking with the Lord, especially in the beginning, just trying to find out what is truth, you know, being a, you know, living a certain lifestyle for 21 years. And yeah. then, and then kind of, you know, when, when biblical truth it comes at you, it's, it comes at you and you have a lot of questions. And so throughout my journey, my faith journey, 
whenever I had these moral dilemmas or questions concerning the word, like I would walk with the Lord and almost turn them into writing projects. That's what it would be. And, you know, I'm, you know, almost like journaling, but, but in like an essay format. So uh, as nerdy as that sounds, but that's what got me kind of under- understanding biblical truth. I had a, I had a brother, not by blood, but uh, a brother. I've known him since I was seven years old. We grew up together next door neighbors. We both decided to enlist around the same time. He blames me. I always blame him. It was his decision. He says it was my decision. <laughs> but, That's fair. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, dear friend of mine, we kind of went our separate paths, stayed in touch. Uh, long story. He went through some hard times and uh, was dealing with the after effects, coupled with some other things in his life and was struggling in his marriage, struggling in all sorts of aspects. And I was ministering to him. You know, he was still living out in San Diego. I was across the country. So then I was just really just praying about it. I said, Lord, what do I do? And as you know, I just kind of called like, write him a letter and teach him everything, you know, about fighting the spiritual fight. Cause that's inevitably what he's dealing with. Like all of us, right. that, da- that daily grind, that daily battle, that battle in your mind, that battle in your heart. So I wrote this letter. I flew out to him, gave it to him, ministered to him. I'm not saying my, my, you know, the letter did some, you know, powerful work in his life, but shortly afterwards, he, you know, God hit him in a certain way and he's, he's doing awesome now. It's a guy you guys will have to meet sometime, an awesome story that I'm sure he'd love to share. But then the Lord put it on my heart. Maybe other people should know about this, this, mm. this guideline to fighting this battle, this certain, you know, I'm by no means saying I, you know, I got some new idea. It, actuality i'm just trying to you know it's all based off biblical truth just maybe showing it in a different light that may encourage certain people so that was kind of the call and then because of the messaging of the book i felt it appropriate to have a 60-day devotional to go along with it because devotionals are designed to help us in our daily walk so i wanted to write some devotionals designed to kind of start off the day to prepare the day for the day's battle because every day is a battle you know for the Mm -hmm. christian so that that was kind of where it all came together. And then from there, it, you know, then all the nuts and bolts. How do I publish? What does this look like? And honestly, I'm still figuring that out. It's, <laughs> it's, it's published. You can purchase it. But this is a new journey for me, man. So nah, that's great. And honestly, like it's, when you say that, you know, the spiritual battle, 100 percent is something that we deal with each and every day. And like you said, then uh, kind of a new way, like, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that, Mikey, like this is nothing new. We've been told this. We have a book. It's called the Bible. It tells us about this and how we need to combat it. But I will say, like, even the title. So you're you're you know, sing your war song, Christian. That is not initially a book where it's like I read that. And it's like I, yeah, I see war, but I don't think about singing a song, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not what I think about for combat. So can you, if you don't mind, just like talking about what made you write that title down? Sing your war song, Christian. I mean, war song. I, I don't even know if it's a real word. You know. I'm sure the dictionary will pick it up eventually. You could definitely get it by me. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. It's the idea, you know, essentially it's praising God when you are in the midst of the fight and it's understanding our purpose and our identity as Christians and understanding that our purpose, when you boil it down, at least from my perspective, what I've learned, our ultimate purpose is to love God and to be loved by him. That is our purpose. Each individual person was formed into being by his creator, her creator, to love their creator and to be loved by their creator. We failed in that endeavor, right? So Christ came. So Christ must be our identity in order for us to live out that purpose. 
And that must be our number one priority to live out that personal relationship with our Father in heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. When that is our priority, when we are walking that out, everything else in our life falls into place as it should. Our marriages, our relationships with our kids, our professions, our ministries. When we place Jesus first and we run after him in that personal relationship, everything else falls into line. You know, when Jesus becomes second, third, fifth, sixth, wherever on that ladder, we think we're doing good by whatever we've placed in front of him, but we really haven't because we're not living out our lives according to that sovereign plan of our Lord. So when we're walking that out every day, it's a fight, right? We're constantly battling with our, with our flesh, our corrupted flesh. We have the world coming at us and we have the one running it all, the enemy kind of running the whole game, the strategy, utilizing the world, utilizing our flesh to come at us. So when we walk that walk, when we are trying to live for Jesus, when we are in the middle of that fight, we praise him in the midst of that fight. We sing our war song because worship is our ultimate purpose. You know, I think worship truly describes that purpose to love God because worship by definition is setting our adoration upon someone or something. And really, it's only really should only really be used in our relationship with God. We, we worship God and God alone. We don't worship our spouses. We don't worship our kids. We worship our Lord. We set our adoration upon him in a special way like no one else. So when we are in the middle of that fight and that in the, you know, you got the voice of the spirit coming at you, you got the voice of the flesh coming at you in your mind and you're sensitive to the spirit and you're, you humble yourself before him and he prompts you to sing this war song in the midst of battle, to worship God in the midst of that fight. When you set that priority upon loving God in that moment, God takes hold of that, right? That is grace working. That is God's strength working to drive you into his will, into his goodness, into whatever he has called you to do in that moment, you know, to live that holy purpose. So really what sing your war song means is it's, whether it's a prayer, a meditation, a recitement of scripture, whatever your song is, it, it, it could be wordless. It could just be centering yourself upon God. I can't, you know, you guys just in a deeper spiritual sense, worshiping God in that moment of battle and fulfilling your purpose. It's definitely not easy to do that, which is, and again, like, I love that you take it from during that time, we're like an ebb and flow of a battle, right? That's like kind of what I'm picturing right now. Ebb and mm-hmm. flow of a battle. The, the last thing somebody might want to think about doing is giving thanks and praising God for the opportunity to be in that battle, right? Or it just it's like such a a foreign thought or idea to me to stop and like give thanks and praise God during that time, right? And like the ebb and flow of spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's definitely. One, it's easier said than done for sure. But how do we like, is there a time in your life like that you've just, right? Cause it's a great concept where you just struggled where it's like, Hey, this is not like the last thing you want to do is praise God sometimes. Cause you're so upset or, or so distraught by or stressed out by something else. Is there a time where like you were able to prepare or get ready for that? Like, how do you get ready to one, recognize that you're in a battle mm-hmm. and then two, actually give praise and adoration at the time when it's necessary, if that makes sense. Yeah, it it all boils down to spiritual discipline. You know, it's just like in anything you do, right? You train, you train and you train. 
And in anything you train to do, because it's it's relatable to what I do on an everyday basis, but firearms, right? There's certain tasks you need to do with a firearm, certain mechanical tasks you need to be able to do. You need to be able to align your sights, press the trigger with a proper grip. You need to reload, correct malfunctions. When you train, you are training that over and over and over again with the goal of doing it at a subconscious level, right? So that when you are in the heat of battle, you don't have to think through a reload. Okay, my gun's empty. I have to press this button. I have to remove the mag. Like You train it to to such a subconscious level that your brain identifies reload, boom, task, it's done. So the foundational fight spiritually is the same way, right? We are disciples by nature in Jesus. So our triumph is found in spiritual discipline. And spiritual discipline is the moment-by-moment submission of our lives into the faithful hands of our Lord. And it's living that out every day. It's not just saying, Hey man, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to live. I'm going to live how I want to. And you know what? When it gets really bad on game day, I'm sure I'll rely upon God then because you're going to fail just like in any right. other task. Right. So yeah. it's, it's that daily, it's, it's walking with God. It's deepening that relationship. You know, you look at David when he approached Goliath and we get this image because when we were kids, right, it's just this silly kid stumbling into the valley, slinging some stone, randomly hitting a giant in the forehead. No, David, when he approaches Saul, it's, it's almost like he's saying, I've been preparing my whole life for this. He says, I fought lion. I fought bear in protecting my father's flock. This giant is nothing to me. Essentially saying, I have walked with the Lord and the Lord has taught me how to fight this battle now. And that's how he can approach it. And he sings his war song. I mean, read 1 Samuel 17. He says, the battle is the Lord's. That's David's war song. You know what I mean? As he's charging Goliath. He didn't just come to that moment. He walked with God each and every day. It's that spiritual discipline, but it's not in our own strength. Like I said, it's learning how to submit to God with each and every day. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I think the, I love the analogy, right? Like also for people in our profession, it's a little bit easier. Firearms is great. You know, mental image. We preach that, right? Like you have to get that muscle memory down. You have to do that. You have to make sure your body's hard. You have to physically train. You have to work for it. I think, and at least for me personally, one of the biggest Cause that's something where it's like, okay, this is something I need to do right in, in my everyday life. I go to work. I do this thing. We PT, we work hard. We go out in the field, we train, whatever it is. I think the biggest or one of the most difficult things for, for Christian men and women to do is to realize that they're in constant spiritual battle, mm-hmm. right? There's the second you let your guard down. Cause like you said, it's, it's easy in like the big life events where it's like, this thing is really hard. I need to turn to God. It's like, yeah, that's easy. But guess what? Like the army that comes to the battle, prepared, trained, hardened before the fight starts, those are, that's the one that's going to win. So I think that in preparation, like you said, every day, that's something that we can't really stress enough because and I like that analogy. I don't know why. I'm sure. I don't know if the, you're the first person that said that, Mike. I don't want to take that away from you, but uh, it's great because like, yeah, like mental, you know, you're thinking like you without thinking like, hey, there's a there's a stoppage. I need to clear it, right? Mm-hmm. And to observe and you do all these steps. So it's a, that's a great analogy for it. I guess. Cause like you said, like going into war, going into battle, you never go it by yourself, right? Like God's definitely giving you the power to strength to walk into it. But what about fellow believers, right? So our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, how can we mutually support each other? Or how can we 
better support each other and singing their own war song. Yeah. You know, we can do anything, you know, crisis sufficient, but he is so loving. He, he just, his mercy overflows and he blesses us with the church, right? He blesses us with brothers and sisters in the same struggle. And the best way I could say is just understanding our call to gather and understanding that, you know, it's Hebrews 10, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, don't forsake the gathering of one another. We need to understand that with all our hearts and we need to gather not just in church pews to hear a sermon, say hi and walk away, but in a much more intimate setting. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're whatever, whatever size your church is, but getting into those small groups, finding those brothers and sisters, whether it's, you know, relating, walking the same path in your profession, whatever it may be, and finding that time to gather on a more intimate level, because it's in those intimate levels, right? You know, imagine the 12 with Jesus sitting around the fire, you know, cooking fish and really getting to know one another as they're walking that path. Because it's in those intimate settings, you can encourage one another in a more powerful way. You can bear each other's burdens, right, in that intimate setting in a much more powerful way. It's a better setting to hold each other accountable, right? If we learn to trust each other in a much deeper sense, we feel more comfortable bearing our burdens, confessing our sins to our brothers and sisters who can hold us accountable. And from there, we can encourage one another in the Lord to walk that walk. So it's, uh, you know, bring it back to the military, man, military organization. You know, it isn't a, uh, you know, the company commander isn't commanding each individual guy and is, you know, 100 man company, right? right? You have you have platoon leaders, you got NCOs down to the team leader level. And that's the church, man. Break, you know, you you have your head leadership, you have your elders and then it breaks down and you get to that intimate level. I think that's truly where the church in a lot of ways is lacking if we're honest and it, we want to hold ourselves accountable and it's where we need to strive more because it's in those places that we can truly help one another. Right. Oh, definitely. And I, I, just like you said, like in the military units that struggle or ones that will have people cross deck or come over and join late right before deployment. It's like, Hey, you have a month and a half to get ready to go to on deployment. And it's, it's like, man, imagine that. Like if you were you know, as a Christian, you know, combating spiritual warfare, like you wouldn't want to just work with somebody briefly before a big conflict. Right. Like you want to just like, Hey, I know this person like a couple of times. We've done a couple of things together. No, it's like, you want to build that rapport and that unit cohesion all the way up until when that big fight comes, you know, that you can trust that person, you know, where they're at, you know, what they're capable of. Exactly. Like, so it should be the exact same with our Christian brothers and sisters and developing that. Like you said, that day to day, even though those small things like, Hey, I got to confess this thing that I struggle with. Yeah, I didn't get in the word today. Why not? Right. And you just, you start talking to each other and you can build that cohesion. Uh, that way, when it, a big thing or seemingly a big thing comes, you know, you're going to be ready and you know, you're going to dispatch that thing quick. Amen. One, just really appreciate you. You join us here tonight. I, I got to say, I got to ask you about Hosanna just because I loved it so much. So if you don't mind, I think it'd be a shame for me not to ask you about it on this podcast so our listeners can hear not that I'm asking you to break it all the way down like you did in DC, but if you could give in a quick summary, what Hosanna means to you and how important it is. Yeah. So it's, I mean, essentially what I've, I mean, Hosanna has been my war song as of late. And I think 
it's uh, it's something the Lord recently taught me, or else it would have been in this book. <laughs> but it's not so much in this book. But uh, he taught me really over this past year what this term meant. The term was only used once in Scripture when Jesus enters Jerusalem on the on the donkey, his triumphal entry. But it essentially is a it's a term of praise, but it means literally like God save us. God, it literally means God, please come with a sense of immediacy and set us on open ground. And if you read a lot of the Psalms and Old Testament, to be on open ground was to be in a safe place, a place of refuge. So it's essentially saying, you know, God save us now. What really got me about the term was that it's not, when you when you hear that, it almost sounds like this this just plea, right? This, this almost with a sense of begging, but Hosanna is shouted with a sense of adoration. So it's essentially we are, when we shout Hosanna, we are praising God for this perpetual state of deliverance by perpetual. I mean, just ongoing, this eternal state of deliverance. God is our deliverer, the Lord, our warrior King, stands ready to deliver us at any moment because he has delivered us. He delivered us at the cross. He delivered us when he preordained we would be redeemed. He's delivering us now in our everyday life when we call upon him, and he has delivered us for eternal glory. So when we shout Hosanna, it's almost like we are we are joining the heavenly assembly. We are being present with our eternal God, you know, God who is timeless, yet we're almost like entering into this timeless state as we're walking along this path of time, praising him for his deliverance in that moment. It really sets our heart upon him in a powerful way, at least for me. And it makes you fearless, not me and no. my own strength, but God, because uh, it's all him, man. It's just, he, he, he sets your heart at peace. And when you're truly at, when you're at peace, you're fearless. Amen. Uh, I'd, I would encourage people, you know, try it just, just with, with sincerity, whether it's under your breath or whether you're shouting in the rooftops, shout Hosanna to your Lord and see how he uses your, uses that to bless you. When you're at peace, you're fearless. I've, I've that written down. I'm I'm using that. (laughs) Right on brother. Well, Mikey, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it so much. I've encouraged all our listeners go check out his book, uh, Sing Your War Song Christian. It's it's an awesome book. Uh, I think it's, like he said, I think you, you hit that nail on the head, Mikey. Not necessarily new information, but definitely a different way to look at it and a way to encourage you through a, at a more personal level, I think, and how you can apply it to your day-to-day life. Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, Mikey, can't thank you enough for, one, being on here with us, and then, two, even just reaching out and, and sending me the book initially. And it's not like we get books sent to us all the time, but you know, as, as busy guys and trying to do all sorts of different things as you are and everyone probably listening to this is, like, I didn't know who you were at the time, right? Like, I didn't, I'm like getting this book. I'm like, I didn't have high hopes for it. You know what I mean? Cause I was like, just had no idea what to read, what I was about to read. And I read it and I absolutely loved it. And I read it in a weekend, really mostly one day. Cause I just couldn't put it down. And I called Billy's like, man, you gotta, you gotta order this book. And I think that's what I want to encourage our listeners to do. I know we're going to give a few of them away, but it's worth going out and buying it for yourself and to give it away. Because I think one of the things that impacted me the most is the heart that you write it from because it truly reads like a love letter, not as like a romance thing, but it's, it's, it's a, a, an outpouring of worship from your heart. And it's clear how much you love the Lord in your writing and how much you love your brother that you're writing it for. And for yeah. me, that just made the words jump off the page. It's just a short book. And so you, you explain things well, 
and in a powerful way, like just like you did with Hosanna, but just your heart posture in it. Um, I have so much respect for you, man. I really hope the book gets out into a lot of people's hands because I know it's going to bless a lot of people, everyone who reads it. I appreciate that word of encouragement, man. And yeah, it's it was made to be just a concise, almost like a little tactical handbook, right? There's some, here's here's some concepts, here's how you apply them in your everyday life. And then here's here's some devotional material to help you in that daily battle to bring yeah. the word into your life. I wrote it. I truly believe the Lord has called me to it. And I hope that he can use it to awaken the hearts of men and women. He is called to be warriors in this generation because we need we need spiritual warriors, man, followers of Christ that are ready to just take God's love into the darkest corners. So, absolutely. I appreciate it, Mikey, and definitely look forward to seeing you again on another prayer rack or something else with the ETL. No doubt. No doubt, man. Looking forward to it. Take it easy. Me too. Thanks again for joining us at Tenth Line Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you want to find out more about what we're doing, you can find us on social media or join us on our website, enterline.co. And that's enterline.co.